Welcome to Poetry, the podcast where we Now you sound annoyed. Oh my God. (laughs) I was so close to being done. Welcome to Poetry. Let's do it. Did I sound annoyed then? You sounded placid and beautiful and great. Okay. I wanted it to sound like malicious compliance. Everybody. Welcome to Poetry. Hi, everybody. <laughs> the podcast where we try to understand poetry. You sounded like a Muppet. I didn't. I sounded like a normal human. <laughs> How are you doing today, Yuki? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, you know, I try. Actually, I'm doing okay. You look I mean, great. I'm... Oh, thank you. I have performed my morning rituals Ooh, i've done my rituals ablutions really? you know mm-hmm. oh right you took a shower I'm, I, <laughs> <laughs> and now i'm ready to get into some poetry with you <sighs> and i feel like uh you know i feel like i'm like i'm settling into a into like a sauna do you do you think of your showers as ablution depends on what i've done before today yes the day before that yes tomorrow who knows Nice. I should think of my showers as solutions. I started lighting a candle and not turning on the lights when I take a shower. Oh, candle showers. It's really nice. The best. Yeah. I used to do that when I was living in Wisconsin. I would, um, I would light my little candle, be in the dark. I would put on my nice calming music and just live my best life. Yeah. It was so like, good. Let the hot water just run over your face. Yeah. Also, I should take a picture and send it to you. But like where my candle is in my bathroom, there's like a little tableau because a friend of mine gave me a little soap candle that looks like a cactus, which is really cute. So it like sets the scene. And then Skylar's grandmother collected beavers. And when she died, we selected one. So there's like a cactus and a candle and a beaver just like kind of like looking up at the candle. Yeah. Really nice. Uh, anyway, anyway, stationary, stationary, stationary. Okay. It's not a good transition. How oh. are we going to transition? Okay. You know, Yuki, we've been friends a long time. We what have. Did you say? Yeah. I think we've been friends for about 20 years, huh? I think we've been friends for longer than 20 years because we're pretty old. <laughs> I think we've been we're friends for about 25 years? years. Yeah. Wow. Quarter of a century. You know, the thing about friendship, Yuki, is that sometimes in friendship, you write letters. That was the transition? That w- it, it was, and it was good. Why are you interrupting? Okay, sorry, sorry. Let me get out of your way. Have you ever written a letter? I really don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> I really don't know you. Know I don't know letters. either. You just have to go on the ride with me to see where we're going to end up. But where you clearly have some intent. I don't. Okay, okay. I do write letters. In fact, yesterday I stayed up till uh, probably like 1 a.m. making envelopes. Oh, that's unexpected. <laughs> Is it? I yeah. sent you my envelopes. You made them? I made them. So when you write letters to your friends. Oh, because stationary. What do you use? 
Jesus. Your letter's on. You could have told me that was your intent. How could you not have seen it? Okay, I didn't know it was my intent because I just knew like I had to get from somewhere to stationary. But the point is, do you use paper or do you perhaps use reams of silver? Oh God, this is just so <laughs> It's better than what you're doing, which is nothing. We can also just say we're starting the poem part now. <laughs> The poem part begins now. The time has come for me to ask. Oh, sorry. What are we reading? Oh, well, if you couldn't tell from my line of questioning, I was asking you about writing letters because the poem we're reading today is Stationary by Aga Shahid Ali. Actually, did I, I don't remember if I chose this one or if you chose it. You chose it. You chose, you chose like 90% of the poems. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this was on the list of poems that I had like written down, but I couldn't remember. Did you choose it from that list? No, I think he chose it. Okay. Well, and our origin stories in a letter. So her origin story is in a letter. If only I knew why I chose this one, because I don't remember choosing it. And I kind of thought you would chose it. Well, well, it chose us, you know? Oh, that's beautiful. Well, I'll say this. I like this poem. I don't get this poem at all. I'm so confused. Yeah. You said that before. It was so frustrating when you were like, this is the most concrete poem we've done so far. And I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) Is it not? No, it's really, what's the word? Like difficult to penetrate. Okay. Let's get some bio and a a recitation. Um, I'm getting my, my mug and I'm, closing my eyes and I'm ready to be transported. Let's go. All right, so a little bit about Aga Shahid Ali. Aga Shahid Ali was an Indian American poet known for his ability to blend his many ethnic influences, traditions, histories, and ideas in his poetry from Hinduism and Islam, English and Urdu, Kashmir and Massachusetts. He was born in New Delhi, India in 1949, but he also spent considerable time in his family home of Kashmir. He came from a distinguished family of Kashmiri educators and politicians, and he grew up in the period immediately following the partition of India and Pakistan, which left the region of Kashmir squarely in the middle of a violent territorial conflict. As a young student, he was educated in the work of traditional English writers because of the legacy of British colonial rule and Ali absorbed all of these writers' use of language and form and created a style that was uniquely his own. He wrote that he was often aware that the music of his language was different, that he was able to bring certain flavors to English poetry in India for the first time because of his multifaceted cultural heritage. In 1975, after completing degrees in English literature from the University of Kashmir and the University of Delhi, He emigrated to the United States to pursue his master's, PhD, and MFA, and lived primarily in the U.S. until his death. Ali was known for his love of the Arabic verse form, called the ghazal, and insisted upon following the formal structures that were often disregarded by other ghazal poets writing in English, who took a freer approach to the traditional form. He wrote, The ghazal is made up of couplets, each autonomous, thematically and emotionally complete in itself. Once a poet establishes the scheme, with total freedom, I might add, 
she or he becomes its slave. What results in the rest of the poem is the alluring tension of a slave trying to master the master. It's an interesting poetic form, one that I wasn't familiar with before learning about Aga Shahid Ali. Every two lines of a traditional Ghazal poem relate to the overall theme, which is often melancholic or romantic, but every pair of lines is narratively unrelated to every other pair of lines. To me, it speaks to the many different perspectives that Ali could bring to his poetic subject. Rather than tell a single narrative about love, he could explain his experience of love by describing his mother, a delicious meal, or a landscape. I highly recommend reading an essay by writer Amitav Ghosh called The Ghat of the Only World, Aga Shahid Ali in Brooklyn. It was written after Ali's death at the age of 52 to brain cancer, and it reminds me of the kinds of stories that loved ones tell at a funeral. It paints the picture of Ali as simultaneously playful and serious. He was a lover of music, especially the ghazal music of Begum Akhtar. He loved food, and he took cooking seriously. I love this anecdote from Ghosh describing how Ali would oversee a dinner party. Shahid placed great store on authenticity and exactitude in cooking, and would tolerate no deviation from traditional methods and recipes. For those who took shortcuts, he had only pity. No matter how many people there were, Shahid was never so distracted as to lose track of the progress of the evening's meal. From time to time, he would interrupt himself to shout directions, Yes, now, add the dahi now. Even when his eyesight was failing, he could tell from the smell alone exactly which stage the Rogan Dash had reached. And when things went exactly as they should, he would sniff the air and cry out loud, Oh, the fragrance. I would have loved have been invited to that party and to taste a meal made with the care and exactitude of his poetry. Ali was a well-loved professor of writing at the University of Utah, University of Massachusetts Amherst, Hamilton College, New York University, Princeton College, and the MFA program at Warren Wilson College. He was also the recipient of numerous honors and awards, including Guggenheim and Ingram Merrill Fellowships, and was a finalist for the National Book Award. Today we're reading Stationary, uh, and that's Stationary E-R-Y, not Stationary A-R-Y, by Aga Shahid Ali. The moon did not become the sun. It just fell on the desert in great sheets, reams of silver handmade by you. The night is your cottage industry now. The day is your brisk emporium. The world is full of paper. Write to me. That was great, Yuki. All right. So what did you think of the poem? I love the way it calls to really anyone, you know, anyone that you're that you want to connect with, including the world. And I like this poem because it does actually, you know, I did this whole long thing, you know, in the transition. <laughs> about writing letters and stuff because anything to do with writing letters is going to for me call up you know writing letters to my friends i i like to write letters to my friends because it allows me to think about communicating with them in a different way in a way that is like inherently more one-sided because you're not getting that immediate response um but that allows you to explore these different um 
like the different areas of your life or whatever, whatever it is you're talking about, it allows you to explore that in a different way. And I really love that, that way of connecting with people. So I think I was kind of just predisposed to like a poem that, that invites you to, that makes the world into something that invites that kind of connection. And that's what I think about the poem. It's good. And I like it. I like it too. I, I like the vibe of the poem. I like thinking about like existence as a love letter to somebody, but I did not understand the words of the poem. Like, yeah, I, I did not understand the words. Yeah. Like, okay. The did not become the sun. The night is your cottage industry. I don't, mm. I don't understand why we're talking about cottage industries. I like the idea of a brisk emporium. It feels very fun. I don't know what's going on in this poem. Does it feel like um, a love song? It feels like a love song to me. Does it feel like a love song? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it it's, I mean, it's very romantic. It's whether so or not romantic. it's, yeah, what, it, it's certainly very romantic in tone. I mean, and not necessarily in the sense that it's about, about romantic love, but the, the mood is very romantic. And so, yeah, it does feel like that a bit. The, and the so, last line. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you mentioned the, the guzzles in your background that you gave and there is even though this is not in the same form um this is not like this is not like a a guzzle but it still evokes a lot of it still has a a very similar tone which a lot of Mm -hmm. guzzle poetry is very romantic so yes to me it does feel a bit like a love i mean well i mean the, the other thing that i wanted to mention actually before i forget that point is guzzle poetry well sometimes it can like it will like toe this line between what is romantic in terms of like you know something that you would say to a lover versus romantic in the way that you would speak to god like it kind of it Mm. um um, blurs that line between what is romantic and what is divine and so i that was another thing that i quite liked about this poem because of course while i'm this makes me think of friendship you know you can read this as something that you would say to a lover you can also read it as something that you would say to God. I mean, it, it really, it depends on what you're bringing to it. But like, that's, I think, part of the charm of the poem is that there's so many possible relationships and modes of connection in it. Yeah, I, I see that a lot. What were you going to say? I was going to say the last line, write to me. I like struggled a little bit with like how to say it because I wanted it to be like a little bit pleading. I'm like, write to me, write me a letter. <laughs> um, I didn't want to sound too whiny. <laughs> I would never have have thought of reading that as pleading in a pleading way. Oh, really? I would read it commanding. Commanding, right but me. like, well, commanding, but like, maybe commanding is not the right word. I would read it with confidence because the person, whoever it is you're speaking to, you know, is going to write to you. Oh, I think so. I, I don't think so. When you write someone a letter, I have no expectation they'll write me a letter back. No, I mean, I don't, but I think that in this poem, I mean, I, it feels, um, it feels like there is a response coming to me. That's not in the poem, but that's how it feels to me. I don't know. I don't feel that. Yeah. Maybe people don't write back to you. <laughs> I will say I, I have a pen pal that I've stayed in touch with since middle school. Okay. So since middle school? middle school i'm just gonna put that out there who is this and i have kept up correspondence off and on 
since middle school. We met at governor's school in like the seventh grade. It's interesting, Yuki, because I've known you all this time and I've literally never heard you mention this person. <laughs> Not even <laughs> once. Well. Well. Hmm. Okay. Definitely not made up. Okay. Well, so I, I would say like, I, I don't know if it's like a romantic, you know, kind of vibe. I don't know. Like if you're in a romantic relationship with someone like you, that tension is like not knowing that whether or not they're going to respond to you, mm -hmm. you know? And so like when I read write to me, like, it's like the world is full of paper. Okay. I'm just going to lay that out there. There's so much paper out there. You can write to me. I'm going <laughs> to leave it, leave that ball in your court. <laughs> well, I mean, I th I think ultimately you're you're more correct because it is like that is the case. Like when you write a letter, it's not you're, you're not even sure if it's going to get there. That's the whole thing with you know yes. it's, it's it's a slower, more fraught form of communication. So I mean, I think that you're right, but I think the reason why okay maybe it's not the, the confidence is not that you're necessarily going to get a response back the confidence is that you don't have to get the response back to maintain the romanticism that's like inherent within the poem like that that kind of you know the way he's being able the way he's able to sort of like commune with his environment that's going to exist whether or not the person writes him back or not and so for me the confidence is maybe not about receiving the response but of maintaining that like his own connection with whatever it is that's inspiring this. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I think that you're, you're correct. Mm -hmm. I'm just being like arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> I would write a letter back to you. I mean, I, I mean, I also, when I write letters, I never expect a response because um, it's something, I mean, it's very self-indulgent, you know, in, in this, in this context, like for us, you know, like not if you, we were like in the 19th century or something when it was the only way to communicate. But now Maybe if you're writing a letter, I mean that, like, if I'm writing a letter, it's for me to, you know, like, I'm sitting down, you know, I'm catching up with my correspondences, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, making a, like, an evening of it, you know, it's, it's for me, it's for me to communicate with someone and to kind of, and connect with them in a way that is a little bit more embodied, even though they're not present, you know, and you could say the same thing about, I mean, I like writing emails and stuff, too, but, like, in the the in the context in which we live, where you could call someone, you could get on Zoom and talk to them, you could email them, you could text them. We have so many ways of communicating. Writing a letter is self indulgent, and I, I mean, which is pr totally fine. Um, I like being self indulgent. You know, this is so interesting. It's like when you say letter, do you mean <laughs> <laughs> like that's the only poem? Yeah. Um, because when I write a poem. It is not self-indulgent at all. Like write a letter. It's, yeah, it's all about like the joy of imagining someone opening their mailbox and getting a letter, like a letter that was written to them by a hand, and that they're <laughs> so happy. And I can just like imagine their smile, and that is like enough to like make me sit down and like go through the effort of writing a letter because it's hard. Is that self-indulgent? I think it can be because it's not like you're not imagining them getting a letter from anyone. You know, it's not like, oh, they got a letter from like their papa and they're so happy. I'm so happy for them. You're like, they're getting a letter from me, you know, and that makes me happy. Which, yeah, that's true. You know, and it should. self-indulgence. Yeah. Um, 
but, I mean, but but it that's not meant to take anything away from it or to like to to disparage it at all as a you know as an act of communication or as an act of anything. It's okay to be self indulgent. I mean, it's the best kind of self indulgence. It's the kind of self indulgence that will lead to other people's joy. It's not just self indulgent, um, and it's just like only for you and you hoard all of the joy for yourself. You know, joy, mm, joy. <laughs> mm, joy. I love writing letters. I should do it more. What What is uh, the night is your cottage industry now? What is that? What does that mean? Wait, can I can I, before we get into the specifics? Can you tell me yeah. more broadly what you did? So you said you didn't understand the words. Like what? I didn't understand the words, but you but you liked the tone. I like the tone. I like the imagery. I loved feeling like someone was saying this to me and I just felt like mm-hmm. a queen, this like beautiful queen dancing in the moonlight in a desert. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt like. Yeah. Oh, cause it talks about being in the desert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, why did I think that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't understand the words. So I did how not did you understand get the, the words. Well, then how did you get the feeling? Well, you know, uh, I'm not entirely sure. I guess uh, to poetry, it, it poetry to at me. I okay. So I think it did. The reason why I want to go back to that is because, like, what makes poetry unique and interesting as an art form is that it it is able to do something very relatively concisely what it would take a much larger amount of space and time to do, like in prose or just like in speech um, or in re- regular everyday speech, at least. So when I'm reading a lot of these poems, I'm not like decoding them line by line. I'm doing what you're doing, which is I'm getting a feeling and being like, yeah, I like that feeling, you know? And I was thinking about this one, like after you said that, I was thinking about what I was going to say about this poem. And I was like, oh, I also don't really, like, I don't understand it. Like I like line, but like, no, I like, I don't like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) But I, but I like, but to me, it felt so like the, 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 the mood and the, the tone and the imagery and the, the meaning it's able to convey to me is much more concrete than these others that we've read. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a queen dancing in the moonlight in the desert, you know, like that's, you know, I don't necessarily imagine that exact thing, but I know that the thing that I'm imagining is equal in tone and tenor to what you're imagining Okay. And like, for me, it's like, that is like the line by line analysis isn't actually as important to me when I'm reading a poem. I mean, it's important for, you know, our context <laughs> our <laughs> podcast about poetry. That's what we're trying but to like, do. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so that's why I was confused when you're like, I don't get it. And I was like, what is there not to get? <laughs> you're a queen well, in the desert. <laughs> I think, I think that this is like, hopefully comforting to people who are like I just don't get poetry I just don't get it at all uh because maybe you know that approach of like trying to get it is not necessary right like Mm -hmm. I'm like badgering myself to try to understand every single thing I I did have a thought it kind of reminded me when you were talking about like you know you get the vibe and like the imagery evokes things for you even if you don't understand what's going on it kind of reminds me of like a like a dream you know like weird things keep happening to you in a dream and they don't like make sense but then like later you wake up and then you talk to someone who knows how to interpret dreams and they're like okay well the apple in your dream clearly meant this and you know the fact that you were falling through a hole clearly meant this and the fact that you had no teeth 
probably meant this, right? And mm-hmm. so I'm like, oh, maybe that's the way I should approach this poem. Like, you know, I was saying before, like an emporium is like, oh, it's like so fun. And like, what am I going to get at the emporium? It's like, there's so much people and it's like fun. And, you know, I can just like sit in that feeling. And then later on in the poem, uh, it's like this like romantic tension of like, write to me, please. I really just want to hear from you, you know? And like, <laughs> that has nothing to do with the brisk emporium, you know, but they're like different feelings that you have about love or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to say, and you stole the words right out of my stupid mouth, Yes. which is that it's, it is dreamlike. Um, I mean, dreams are, dreams and poetry are both the realm of the symbolic, right? So it's like, these are Ooh. not things that we- That was good. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I do what I do. But, you know, it's like, there are things that you can approach with your rational mind which is an important part of the mind um, that allows us to do a a great many things. But then at some point, a lot of us, you know, in various parts in our lives will experience something where we just reach the end of that, like what our rational mind is able to do for us. And you have to enter the realm of the symbolic to make sense of things. Um, I think that that's well, I mean, this this is all very Jungian, but like, like poetry there, there is like, there are poems in which you engage your rational mind um, and maybe that's all, you know, but I think that what, for me, what the poetry that I like tends to do is it allows you, if anything, to do both, to kind of like move kind of seamlessly between like the rational mind and the symbolic, because the symbolic can, the thing about a symbol is that a, a symbol communicates a lot of information very, very, very quickly. And so that's why poems tend to take up less space than prose not always but sometimes because you're you're uh in fact i referenced leung lee's um this panel he was on um in one of the when i think when we were talking about sweet peace and time he's getting kind of worked up he was like you know when he was saying that he doesn't read for fun because he doesn't really understand why someone would need so much space to say something he was like do you need that much space to say what you need to say like i don't know Someone who's like a, a really, really skilled poet, which I'm I'm a, I'm a really wordy person. Anyone listening to this podcast will know that I'm very wordy. It <laughs> takes me a million words to say something that someone else could say in like three words. So I don't necessarily have that talent, but like that is what the talent is. It's in, in, it's in encoding all of this incredible information that maybe can be explained in words, but is maybe better felt or better imagined or better just like experienced than, you know, this like line by line analysis. And so I didn't, I mean, so I'm I'm actually really glad to know that like when you say you didn't understand it, you, you did understand it. Actually, you understood the the mood and the tenor and stuff, but you didn't understand every single word, which is also, I mean, the other thing too is that like I'll, I mean, a lot of this is, I mean, this is like highly personal. So it's just like we don't know, we don't have all the information in terms of like who he was thinking about at the time that he was writing this, we, we're just, we're lacking a lot of information. And so you also have to kind of take that into account. Like when, I, when I'm reading poetry, I'm not like so much of like, you are bringing into it what you're bringing into it. And the author might be intending something else because you don't have that information. I mean, I, I, I think that is kind of what trips people up about approaching poetry sometimes is that they feel that they need to understand every single word. And it's like, sometimes you do, 
sometimes it's not really for you. It's really for the person who wrote it. Um, and then sometimes the individual words don't, you know, it's, they're coming to, you know, they're greater than the sum of its parts and you don't really need to know line by line. But that being said, let's go line by line. I had a couple of thoughts. Well, yeah. so like, I think, um, you know, what you were saying about, you know, poetry, sometimes it, it's, you know, not in the realm of like the, the concrete, it's in the realm of the symbolic um, and how, you know, some of the symbolism is, it, it might be particular to the poet and like, it's hard for us to know exactly what is going on or what they're thinking of, um, what's making them, you know, think of an emporium or cottage industry or whatever. And it made me think about the riskiness of poetry. You know, it's like when you are like using symbols as the ingredients for whatever you're making. We talked about this before, like, you know, people can interpret a symbol in so many different ways, even if there's like an established, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is what this symbol means, like people will still interpret it differently. So there's something like a little bit like dangerous about poetry, you know, like people Mm -hmm. could just totally misinterpret, which is like beautiful too, right? Like people can interpret a totally different way. Uh, I mean, there's something dangerous in communication in in general, you know, that like Mm -hmm. what you say is not going to be received in the way that you meant. Um, I do think that like the more abstracted it becomes, like the the greater the danger, you know, I mean, which is, I mean, it's an interesting way of thinking about it in terms of it being like risky. And that's why there's such a high reward. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there were particular lines that you were like, what, what is, what is this? Yes. So, okay. So we're, we're good getting concrete into this abstract poem with Mm -hmm. the understanding that we don't need to <laughs> is that right i just want to set the yeah. parameters of our yeah. discussion yeah okay we we well we need to <laughs> because this is what we've come to set out to do right um but in general i don't think that's something that you have to do and i mean you know again this is me speaking as like an amateur poetry enthusiast maybe mm-hmm. there are people out there who would disagree i don't think so though i think that that's you know i mean this well, is this is art right so like that's how we that's how we tend to approach art in general is thinking about it you know it's the realm of the symbolic i also uh want to set the parameter that uh although this is not a guzzle it feels kind of guzzle-esque in that Mm -hmm. in that like fever dream like not everything is connected to each other Mm -hmm. way is that also correct before we dive in or is that is that something we Oh, um, well, yeah, to, to me, this is this is very guzzly in the sense that in terms of the, the kind of imagery it's using, in terms of the confusion about who the speaker is talking to, whether or not this is platonic or romantic or divine, like it, it's just unclear and it could be all of those things. So, I mean, it, it it's clearly like pulling on certain themes from that genre of poetry, um, even though it's not using the same form, which is what which is what makes a guzzle a guzzle. Yes. Those are two parameters that you have set. Okay. I like it. Okay. Also, I like the word guzzly. The moon did not become the sun. Like, we can do this with every single line because I I literally (laughs) don't understand every single line. Um, Um, The moon did not become the sun. It didn't become the sun. It didn't become the sun. This is how I read the poem, Clint. Like, I was just like, I stared at this website and I was like, the moon... 
Yeah. Well, okay. What feeling does that give you? Um, that doesn't do all that much for me, like initially without like the rest of the poem, to be honest. Um, to me, you have to read those two lines together. The moon did not become the sun. It just fell on the desert in great sheets, reams of silver handmade by you. What does that do for you? The moon did not become the sun hooks me in because I'm also sort of like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't know what that means. What did it become? Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's it's puzzling initially. And so it, it kind of draws you into the puzzle. And so it just fell on the desert. Like instead of becoming this other thing, it just did this other thing, you know, that was like, I think it's implied that it's simpler. You know, if you just do something, it's just like, yeah, it's yeah. We use it when we're when we're trying to imply that we did something that is more simple than what was expected. Oh, I yeah. just did this. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Ooh, mm -hmm. maybe the moon did not become the sun. It's like you know, it's like when time stops, you just like see this like beautiful creature dancing in the desert, and you're just like, oh, time just stopped. It just stood still, and the moon never became the sun. It was just nighttime the whole time. It was in trance. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I do think that's part. I mean, I think part of it is like you know, the, that there were, there was just this kind of suspension of time and that you're staying in the night, right. Mm. For a long time, you know, it's a very night poem. It is a very night poem, even though it mentions the day, but like, it's, it's very much focused on the night because it's all about the moon. Oh, it uh, does the mention the to, day. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> are you upset? <laughs> I just, <laughs> It's hard. Poetry is so hard for me. Continue. Let's we'll 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 get to it. Poetry okay, is so hard for me. I'm going to write that down. We're going to come back to it. Okay. Can I just um, say? I feel mm -hmm. like this is like. I think maybe it's upsetting because this is the last episode of the season, and I feel like ooh, I've, I did some good poetry up until yeah. now, and now I'm like. I don't get it. <laughs> you You're know? back to the gnome. Yeah. I'm back to the gnome. Yeah. Again, <laughs> I I don't think you didn't get it. No, I do. I, I know what you're saying. Like, I got the, like, I got the vibes. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, what we're trying to do with this podcast is, like, tease apart maybe what the poem, poet is trying to convey. That's the word, mm -hmm. convey. So, mm -hmm. I, I want to know what he's trying to convey, you know, like, I want to pick up what he's laying down. I want to read the letter he wrote to me. Yeah, I well, I mean, okay, so actually, that's an interesting I mean, are we here to analyze poetry? Because if so, then like, that isn't really, we really aren't equipped <laughs> to that's true. like, or are we here to um, engage with it in the way that we we want to? Okay, we want to and and to make and in, in doing so potentially make that accessible. Okay, I have a better idea then, mm -hmm. which is let's do what we do in other other episodes. Uh, mm -hmm. What was your favorite line? Okay, my favorite line is the one I just read. It just fell on the desert in great sheets, reams of silver handmade by you. Uh, and then, of course, the last line, write to me. I like the, that line about the the you know like the light of the moon falling on the desert and in. These sheet, you know, these like sheets of light, of silver light, 
and that itself become you know that making the world into a into a form of communication or a form of communion with something either with the world with nature or with someone else you know or with god or or whatever it is and i like that line so much because you can i mean it like as it's as he's writing you it it like unfolds as he's writing like the 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 thing that i'm imagining just like takes shape you know as if he is like conjuring this up like in my mind um i love the imagery a lot and i think that that I mean that really is i mean that's the bulk of the poem really because the rest of it keeps going back to the the sheets of silver that are handmade you know like the the cottage industry where you know the night is your cottage industry that's where you make the sheets of moon paper the day is where you sell them and it tra- transforms the world into this um into something that is simultaneously like mundane in terms of like the paper we write on but is like but also transforms what is mundane into what is like incredibly profound because the paper we write on is like moonlight paper (laughs) 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 that is like handmade by someone you know uh we don't really know who but that's my favorite that, that, that's my that's my favorite part of the poem and then I, I like the reason why I like the last line is because um that is something that I would say I mean it's it's, it's a really romantic thing to say oh so romantic yeah write to me yeah. write to me write to me I, I read it more as the second one <laughs> write to me write to me <laughs> thank you for thank you for explaining like you know, like the night is where you make the paper, the moon, magical moon paper. The day is where you sell it. I didn't catch any of that um, until you explained it. And it made me wonder, you know, like maybe he's thinking of someone that he really wants them to write him a letter, like on paper, like actually communicate to him as a person. But, you know, when he looks at the, the moonlight, it reminds him of his love. And, you know, that is a kind of letter because it's like, oh, someone's like, you know, looking up in the moon and like, you know, it's like when you're like looking up at the same moon, isn't that so romantic? It's so romantic. It's so romantic. Right. So it's like, you know, someone is like sending you this message through this like ethereal form of moonlight paper slash just moonlight. Mm -hmm. So for you, you're imagining him saying this to a person, a person that he wants to write to him. I'm I'm okay so this is the the picture that I have in my head it's like this guy who's like longing for his lover and he is like walking through the desert at night and he sees the the moonlight coming through in shafts you know like through the Mm -hmm. the clouds at night or whatever and he's like oh I feel like this is a message that my lover is sending to me there's so much that like I can send back through this like Mm -hmm. moonlight paper um, I'm sending this message out. I'm thinking of you. I hope that they're, they're thinking of me too. And I hope that they, I hope that they write to me. I hope that they send me more messages. So he is speaking to his lover, but via the medium of the moonlight. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Cause like the moonlight is making him think of this person. That he mm-hmm. And they, sh- they both share the moonlight because they're both in the world. Yes. And, yeah. That's that's great. I prefer, I think I like that interpretation the best out of all of them. You know, is he is he talking to the divine or a lover or you know which and, and that's kind of all of them because it's like he is using 
the natural world as a form of communication to talk to another person, a lover or, yeah, I mean, this is so romantic. I mean, it simply must be. <laughs> this is something that I would say, I would say something like this to a friend, um, but I'm a bit much. So maybe that's why. Um, this is like this is something that you can't actually say to a person. This is like something that you like say out into like the night air. I would say this to a person. I'd say it to you. I'd say it to you right now, right to me. I feel like this is something that you like whisper out over the dunes. <laughs> I it's agree. Like, it's yearny, you know, and you can't yeah. yearny at someone directly. That's the other guzzle theme that oh, is it? the other the other thing that that makes this feel a lot like a guzzle to me is that that yearning for sure um i i would i would happily say this to another person right to their face again i'm a lot yeah but i mean well to someone that i think would receive it of course i'm imagining you at like uh what do they call like an open mic and there's like a cafe full of people and you start reading this poem like your your eyes are looking down at the paper and suddenly mm -hmm. you look up and you lock eyes with this person mm -hmm. that you love and that you mm -hmm. know loves you back. Mm -hmm. And you just read the poem straight at them, no blinking. Mm, I would never do that. <laughs> but I do. I mean, but that was a picture you painted. <laughs> I mean, I would. I, well, I'll say this. I would um, I would copy this poem and send it to someone in a letter. I would do that. It isn't the same. I've never sent anyone a poem that I've written, but I think I think now's you know the time is nigh. You write poetry? Yes, Yuki. I've not done that. Wow, you know it's it, someone listening to this would not know that we knew each other at all. <laughs> like you've had you've had a pen pal for twenty five years. You were I've been writing poetry. The entire time that I've known you, it's the only thing I've ever done consistently. I think you read some of my poetry actually in high school, but it wasn't very good. Um, I mean, it was, you know, yeah. I only have, they actually, I actually do. I have a poem that I want to send to someone, um, a friend me? of mine. <laughs> no, I never written anything about you. For me? About you or for you, but I can, I'll write you something. Uh, final thoughts. Oh, are we already at the final thoughts already? My, my. I think I've said all I'm going to say. Symbols, the moon, okay? They're, okay, this is my final thought. <laughs> this poem makes me think of one specific person. I won't say who it is. Tell me who it is. I, I, I will tell you off mic who okay. it is. But it makes, me, it makes me think of one particular person. And maybe that's part of why... The poem speaks to me so much is because it, the the yearning is not romantic. The the yearning is, I mean, the, the yearning is romantic. I think all yearning is romantic, but like the relationship is not romantic, um, and I don't want it to be. But I, um, it's someone that I kind of lost touch with, and I was gonna say it was it's someone who I think would have an appreciation for like speaking to each other through the moon, but I don't think he does. I don't think he would have that appreciation. But I want to speak to him through the moon because I want him to write to me, mm. you know, and not necessarily because we would share the same appreciation for the, for the moon paper. Um, but because this is someone who has such an interesting perspective that it would make me think about the moon paper in a different way. And it would make me think about, um, you know, it would make me think about 
yeah, moonlight in the desert in a, in a completely new way than I had been thinking about it. And so, yeah, so that's what I, that's what this poem makes me recall. It makes me think of one particular person. Great choice. I like this poem a lot. You did? Yeah. I was going to ask if you liked it. The thing that makes me really sad is knowing that Aga Shahid Ali died so young. Mm -hmm. God, what a beautiful person. Like, he just seemed so fun and, like, just gorgeous, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, you you would have to be to write something like that. Yeah. Those are your final thoughts? That's my final thought. Okay. We lost a a lover and a poet too soon i have no more final thoughts but i agree with your final thought yeah well that was our last episode of the season oh my goodness it is well that's our episode that is our episode we poet tried we poet tried the shahid ali's biography was compiled from poetry foundation a Map of Longings by Manan Kapoor, and The God of the Only World, Aga Shahid Ali in Brooklyn by Amitabh Ghosh. Our music is from Les FM. For questions, comments, concerns, or if you have a poem that you'd like for us to discuss, hit us up at wepoetribe at gmail.com. That's we.poe.tried at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Say bye, Yuki. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.